10 years back if you become an entrepreneur people thought something is wrong with you i have had that problem for several years because people said you are in such a great role in a big company why would you do that something is wrong with you or they thought maybe the company fired me i mean there were different people who thought different things they never thought that it is by my own choice it is not somebody is forcing me to do it uh, so that was then then but now the expectation is that if you are a family and friends i'm talking about that if you are an entrepreneur you will be a billionaire now the expectation is on the other way around both are bad because you need to let the entrepreneur be what he is hello everyone ashok here thank you for tuning in to this very first episode of indian startup stories today we have a very special guest ravikiran annaswamy a business leader serial entrepreneur startup coach vice president and global board member in ieee ceo and co-founder of numo city technologies a company which deals with electric mobility platform for ev fleet chargers battery swapping smart grid integration they have been featured in top 5 startups in electric vehicle segment at iot day conference 2019 by tie bangalore apart from leading numo city ravi holds various tags like co-founder of deccan institute of innovation and design co-director at founder institute bangalore mentor and coach at numa bangalore charter member at tie bangalore thought leader and a speaker at numerous international business conferences he holds mba from iim bangalore a passionate photographer and an avid book reader that's a long list in this episode he talks about how it all started what are they creating how covid has fueled more business how he manages time boxing handling multiple roles also other important insights like incubation platforms how investment funding works for a startup also on what could go wrong with entrepreneurs personally and for businesses so let's jump in hi ravi thank you for coming on the indian startup stories today thank you ashok thank you for inviting me for this and also it's my pleasure to be talking to you today my pleasure ravi please tell our listeners what you're creating in numo city yeah so numo city is in a very interesting intersection of uh, electric vehicles when people think about electric vehicles it's like a uh, elephant and a five blind men right i mean everybody thinks of an automobile to be the only uh, thing which is changing but when you look at electric vehicles uh, automobile is only a part of it where we convert them into Uh, battery driven vehicles the motor changes and all of that and then comes how do you fuel them so the electricity is the most important aspect because you need to fuel them unlike the ic engines where you go to a gas station now you're going to an electric point where you have to charge your uh, vehicle like a battery uh, a mobile battery or a laptop battery you need to charge your vehicle and then what you realize is all these vehicles and the uh, electric points are all connected now so they end up being iot networks because all of them are now spending a lot of data and then you also end up now realizing that it is also a a big data problem you're getting a lot of pro, uh, data a lot of uh, workflows coming in and you need to stitch cross industry workflows and that is where uh, numocity comes in as a uh, a middleware platform like in many other industries we are kind of a, a software cloud based middleware platform which connects the automobile parts which connects the grid parts which connects uh, all the required components in the whole ecosystem into a common workflow and enable people to uh, use it in a very seamless way so one of the use case we mainly work on is what we call as energy as a service so we ensure that the energy or electricity is provided to electric vehicles in the best possible way so as a user you should not have a difficulty of getting energy to your vehicle to move on and how to make it easier how to make everything work in the background so that for user as a, a rider as a driver it should be seamless for you as seamless as going and just filling your uh, tank uh, is is what our uh, vision is and that's what numocity uh, does so we are a, a cloud based software platform we call it a middleware platform because we connect multiple components into one workflow great it's a complete platform as i see in uh, energy as a service as india has already started adopting to electric vehicles with uh, increase in oem platforms and quite a lot of iot startups uh, it's great that numocity is playing a big role in this ecosystem absolutely great so how did it all started ravi uh, what was the spark moment uh, the idea of numocity so they i would look at it as uh, two different uh, point of uh, from points where we converged on uh, numocity uh, i always believe Uh, you can always have ideas when you are looking at uh, any opportunity or anything 
but uh, customer validation kind of nudges you and pushes you to do what you have to do. So uh, way back in 2017, we were working on uh, uh, an assignment where we were talking with uh, a lot of companies to figure out what would be the EV landscape uh, in India in future. This is way back in 2017. So we did a study where we used to interact with many different people, mainly the OEMs, the component makers, the grid players, policy makers, and all of that. And here it was purely uh, from a research interest. This was not a, not to start Nomocity or not to do anything, anything. We were just doing it from a pure research interest. Me and my co-founder, we both were doing that. Uh, and then we realized uh, that was one where we realized that there was a lot of systemic thinking required. A lot of systems were completely uh, disparate. They were not talking to each other. Everybody were talking about their piece, but nobody was talking about how to make everything work. So that's where our second point came in, where uh, we all had a very rich telecom experience, worked with uh, telecom systems for uh, probably two decades and had a very good understanding of what went right there, what went wrong there, and also the infrastructure building exercise. How did it happen? When, it, when you look at telecom, telecom towers are very synonymous to EV charging points. Telecom uh, connectivity is very synonymous to what is going on here. The user experience in 2000 for our mobile phone is very synonymous to what is happening with an electric vehicle here. We just found a parallel. We could see the parallels which others were not seeing because people were looking at it only as electric vehicle. Now, suddenly we, we pulled a parallel to say, hey, this is exactly what happened 20 years back, 18 years back with uh, telecom industry in India. And we presented this in many of the forums and there was an aha moment by many people in, in the crowd and saying that, hey, this is a very interesting way to look at the same thing. And uh, you guys seem to understand all of that. Why are you not doing anything about it? I mean, you are talking everything. <laughs> yeah. Why are you not doing something? I mean, I was running another company, uh, which, is not, which was not doing electric uh, vehicles, but we were mainly on the IoT side. So when we brought the IoT angle, when we brought the software, the system thinking of how it needs to be done, then uh, uh, we built something uh, to, as a first version of a product in a short period, in some three months, more of a, a what we call as an MVP. It is not a full-blown product, but something which demonstrates what we were talking about from an energy flow point of view. So we uh, presented this in uh, Elekrama in 2018, which is India's largest electrical exhibition. Uh, nearly one lakh people or more than one lakh people come there. Uh, we just demonstrated. I mean, we uh, we didn't have any other intention. We thought we feedback from people to say what it is. But interestingly, we got shortlisted as the top 10 startup of electrical world. And then all the large OEMs, I mean, uh, all the big biggies who are doing the charging infrastructure landed up trying to see what we have built, trying to understand what we have done and saying, hey, can you work with us? So it is a big uh, validation. I mean, that's a good starting point. And that's when we said, hey, it's worth doing what we are talking. Uh, though where we are right now is still a prototype or an MVP, but it is worth doing because the big companies are coming and saying, can we work with you? And we are not even a company. I mean, it's just a concept at that time. So that that immediately helped us to go towards building this company because we knew the market needed it. We knew what we were talking makes sense. And we also knew that there are customers who will take it quite soon uh, if we get it right. That's nice. Yeah. And also uh, very early, uh, you started in 2017, but in 2019, uh, you have been featured as top five startups by TIE Bangalore uh, in IoT Day conference. That's that's, that's an exciting thing. So uh, you made it really fast in, in two years coming into that top list. Yeah, absolutely. And also uh, we were uh, also the top 30 uh, companies of your story in 2019. So it was uh, quite a good uh, experience trying to be one of the early companies. Uh, it has its own challenges. Being the first mover, uh, you may not do everything right because you are doing it for the first time. Because the ones who follow you will pick up and do much better because they know uh, all the challenges, what you already face. So we were one of the first movers, early movers. So and we have done everything from scratch in the Indian market. What I mean is there was nothing else as a precedent to say such a product existed. So we have done right. absolutely from scratch. Okay, that's interesting. Actually, you started with the parallel concept and you have taken it to the EV Current scenarios like you have the vehicles with a lot of parts, but when you think of electric vehicle, the number of parts is getting reduced and uh, you have a different challenges coming together. How do you integrate and all these things? 
2017 to till date right um, how how has the transition been and uh, since the inception till now uh, can you share some stats on um, how it started and where we stand now yeah so like i said we started off with uh, an early demonstrator where uh, customers gave us very good feedback but uh, immediately after that it was a good learning for us in terms of uh, looking at how the market reacts to this the first year went in a lot of tenders lot of it is very early market uh, there was no, hardly any electric vehicles no uh, none of the vehicles you see now were launched there is only one vehicle which was e2o nothing else in the market so we were talking closely with oems we were talking with everybody uh, the first year went in uh, just a concept validation because there was nothing on the market so we really couldn't experience anything from the market it was all conceptually validating uh 2018 uh, went in that 2019 became more interesting because the vehicle started increasing uh, a lot of infrastructure came up so we now are no longer a concept but we were actually working with real equipment real uh, systems but it was a little uh, tough journey because the whole ecosystem was evolving nobody was ready with everything being standardized everything working well so i think it took uh, a year for us to build different things additional things multiple things to make systems very robust and that was also the year where we also looked at another parallel concept which was not in 2017 and 18 but by 19 it was a concept what we call as battery swappable systems which is conceptually doing the same what we want to do but now instead of plugging your vehicle into a socket now you just come and replace your battery like an lpg cylinder or when you go to uh, the the vehicles which have uh, liquid petroleum gas i mean lng cylinders which was actually taken off in delhi and other you can swap them replaceable uh, battery swappable systems where instead of charging now you can just come and remove your battery and move on but that worked only for two wheelers and three wheelers uh, when the fit charging was evolving we also became a major platform for battery swappable systems so we built another platform which uh, with all this workflows but for a totally different use case which was now uh, swapping batteries but the end to end customer experience is still the same i want energy for my vehicle how do i get it either you can charge in multiple ways and our platform helps you to helps you to do that or you come with your battery we give you a new battery so 2019 gave us a different spin and suddenly out of uh, one use case in our platform now we had two use cases which was still doing the same thing but in a very different way and uh, i mean of course some of the awards also came for that because we were one of the very early platforms to demonstrate that the whole thing works and how to uh, get it working so that made us uh, even more richer in terms of what we can do uh, 2020 has been a, a good and a bad year so i think for us we were hoping a huge market surge in 2020 uh, yeah, covid began a, a very uh, positive note uh, with all this happening with both battery swap and with Uh, charges coming up we were gearing up for a big year but we lost i would say 6 months went completely dud uh, because i think the market i mean country was shut i think let's let's face it it has nothing to do with us or any industry the whole country whole world was shut for 6 months but we made a very good use of it at that period uh, we ended up reaching out to uh, everybody sitting at home making calls to every potential customer which on a normal course when we were running around with business was difficult to get them now everybody were at home and we were yeah. getting a quick call with most people most people in most companies so almost okay. four months probably we did every day four telephone uh, four video demos online demos and i was more busy than ever i was doing demos four times a day to everybody in the company. we presented to almost anybody and everybody whom we wanted to talk to we did okay. that started showing results from august when the country opened up uh, we suddenly have a surge of a good number of customers in the last 6 months and uh, year end has been even fantastic uh, more people coming up uh, in fact even in the last one week we been extremely busy with some 3 4 customers coming in just in one week uh, so uh, that's that's been fantastic end of the year because beginning of the year we were really in a bad shape Uh, not knowing what happens you are uh, demoing throughout the year you are busy in video demos and all these things so how how, how was that to get the first customer uh, can you talk about, talk about that experience yeah so uh, like i said uh, for us the early customers came way back already in 2018 uh, and 19 uh, 
but all of them were uh, let's say not with major plans i mean they were they were also testing waters because it's a very early concept 2020s where we really had the first customers uh, really hitting the ground and demonstrating and start and not knowing whether it's a customer and us the end user like you started using it that is uh, anybody who wants to use electric vehicle now is using our systems independent of either of us i mean we are a b2b platform so somebody is using us but actually it is you somebody like you ashok who is plugging in his vehicle and charging and he suddenly tells you what works and what doesn't work because his problems are very very different because he he doesn't know how to plug in it is not the technology we realize yeah. that the problem starts at a very different right. level not not really at the technology right. level uh, so that's been a fantastic learning because with the first customers Uh, we really realize that uh, tech is only one part of it uh, but there are a lot of other things which is beyond tech which you need to fix before the tech starts to play a role i think that learning we have really uh, adopted in the last 6 months now with every new customer we are able to tell them hey manage these things because uh, you just have to manage this because otherwise customers don't know i mean we have figured out very simple things like what poster or a what sticker to stick at a remote unmanned uh, uh stations uh, the charging stations are like your fuel pumps uh, but assume there is nobody there it will be on a highway where there is nobody you just have to go and do everything yourself uh and our people though we are very tech savvy with respect to our mobile phone and 4g connection but when you find a new equipment we are a kind yeah. of lost we really don't know what to do because these are big equipment with lot of uh, display buttons and everything and you're not used to going and fueling your own vehicle anytime because somebody does it all the all these years now you have yeah. to do everything and there is a fear of uh, huge current right these are all 15 kilowatt 50 kilowatt heavy electric uh, vehicles i mean chargers so you don't want uh, any spark or anything to happen so uh, we have now made very simple posters stickers to stick around which has nothing to do with tech but that eases the way the person uses the phone uh, i mean right. he has to use the mobile and his car and the charger to make things work so uh, we have got that working very well now so when we are scaling it makes very good sense but even now we face challenges for instance sometimes the network goes down so what happens uh yeah. sometimes the power goes down in that location the car is connected to the charger and the power goes down now the user panics he doesn't know what to do uh, or the network goes down and the displays don't show exactly he's seeing something on the spot but his mobile phone says something else because there is no network there so he panics because he doesn't know what is going on so all this are ground level challenges which india will go through for maybe another year uh, because as this network grows more people use it more cars and uh, then i think it will be a time uh, this is similar to what happened with the payments like paytm when they all came with the first qr code people didn't know what to do uh, and if you notice uh, the first time uh, uh, the notes were banned demonetization everybody figured out suddenly every common man learned how to use a qr code scanner and to make a payment for us right for everyone even for the grocery shop we all got used to the qr code scanning and stuff yeah, but yeah. but if you remember the trigger happened in mass adoption with a different event <laughs> which was a demonetization where big people figured out yeah. so probably uh, it will take another year or one such event where everybody is now suddenly uh, forced to use an electric vehicle and then india in a mass uh, in a mass way will learn how to use systems right we are all got used to uh, the customer support where people are there helping us exactly. uh, for any in the normal equipments that we buy um, we are so used to that physical touch and uh, human connection so it takes time yeah but these will be now unmanned india will become more, probably move towards what europe and us have been for a long time that is you feel your vehicle there is nobody is going to do it uh, because yeah. these, some of them in the cities urban centers might still have people around to help you out but most of this equipment will also come on highways and when it comes on highways this will all end up being unmanned so it's it's going to be a transformation a lot of people will learn how to use this equipment over the next one or two years yeah ravi um, definitely we are going to experience those changes soon can you talk about some of your early days challenges any nightmare days yeah so uh, like i said it's being an early product many a times uh we go with what our understanding of the systems are and what we are doing but only when we really physically see a, a product we then realize that uh the interfaces will be very different you need to figure out how to make things work 
one from a systems point of view and second like i said from a user point of view that is the user experience of the end user the way it works because whatever we are building is not for systems to talk to each other that's only a part of it but actually it's about an end user who's an average uh, uh, indian user who's going to use it not a tech savvy user i think our uh, first issues and first nightmares have been how to uh, ensure that people understand what needs to be done like uh, like i was just explaining to you uh, we are not used to those self serve mode of using uh, any of the bigger equipment in in public places so our first nightmares were when uh, people landed up at the site and they just didn't know what to do and uh, and and they do things wrong and then the systems misbehave because they're not expected to do it that way so this learning has been i wouldn't call it a nightmare in a way but a very eye opener to understand uh, not just the technology aspects but the human behavior aspects because a lot of systems uh, work in different way and people use it in very different ways though our intended use we think it's going to be used in this particular way uh, in a particular one flow of use case but uh, i think all of us try it out in multiple ways so that's been a big learning how to understand make systems work for everybody and be full proof from that angle and not so much from the the technology angle that can be fixed that can still be these are systems talking to each other you can have interfaces you can have apis protocols to make things work but when it comes from uh, human centricity and trying to see what works for them what doesn't work for them i think that's where the biggest learning has been that we need to make any system actually very very intuitive and user friendly for the end person and if he can fix he can use it then i think you've cracked the whole flow then everything becomes okay that's nice coming to the funding numosity when it got started uh, you had all the fundings or you had challenges actually approaching to the investors because you also being a serial entrepreneur and investor how anyone should approach an investor and how did you handle it in numosity yeah so uh, till uh, we started numosity i am one of those biggest uh, uh, proponents of a bootstrapping of a company in the early stages uh i don't think it makes uh, any sense to go to an investor very early i mean that's always been my advice so that if you are uh, able to do things in a very frugal way to to a, till a point that you are actually able to demonstrate your product and uh, viability and scalability you should be bootstrap so at least for uh, nearly 2 years uh, we were bootstrap so uh, which means we kept our uh, burn very low we had our own uh, investments coming in uh, as founders we invested and at the same time uh, we also had a little uh, different model of slightly different services led uh, product development that is we were also working on few other things which uh, flow flew in as revenues we were using that to bootstrap ourselves to do uh, the new innovation which was on numosity so what happened is over a period of 2 years we could build with a lot of freedom as an innovator we could scrap things we could rebuild it we could learn a lot of things but all that was done by a bootstrapping method which also means that we were very frugal we had only as much as we want as many people as we want as many systems as we want and we ensured that we come to a stage where uh, we are in a kind of a, a growth stage or a, a product market fit stage where we say that hey we know this is working in the market and i think that's the time we realized that we now need capital to scale up that is we can't do it with the money we have or what we can invest we need so in a way you could call it as angel investment happened by our own selves by founders and bootstrapping we did with a lot of other work we were doing so that kind of fueled us into uh, running the company for nearly 2 years without raising a fund but for every uh, entrepreneur startup or innovator my advice is uh, don't start going to investors on day one that's not the way to do it i mean you need angel investment to start with you, you can fund yourself with what is called f and f friends family and fools in the beginning you go and uh, uh, raise it yourself because this is a little friendly capital because they are your own people they'll give you the funds uh, and of course you will not get a large fund you will get a, a limited fund with that you can work very frugally to get your idea what is called as a problem solution fit for the problem can you get a validated solution and people say that hey this works it may not scale it may not become big but it works and people can actually prove that it works that capital is sufficient and you actually need a seed or a, a next round of capital only post that 
so you should uh, approach investors only when you have figured out all these things but if you day one if you go with a, a concept note and say i want funding uh, the angel investment might not happen so easily because uh, there will be hundreds of questions saying why this idea why this problem why you because you've not even done anything about it why should i give you even my initial uh, 5 lakh or 10 lakh or 1 crore it doesn't matter whatever is the angel investment why would anybody give you the money when you've not even done anything about it it's just an idea on a slide millions of ideas come every day on a slide probably billions in india uh, but that doesn't mean anything so uh, always an early work done by the entrepreneur uh, on his own for 6 months to 1 year uh, with kind of a friendly capital uh, or no capital or bootstrap yourself it could be any one of them depending on what life cycle you are in in, a, in an entrepreneurial mode because there are some of the senior guys who probably have enough savings to invest of their own and so you become your own first investor but there are a lot of youngsters who may not have that money but sometimes your friends and family that is your parents might fund you to do that a lot of a lot of youngsters do that their parents fund and their friends and family fund them of course there are some who probably have no access to funds but they have a brilliant uh, uh, solution for a problem for them there are still a lot of possibilities you can go to incubators you can go to early funds who will give you some funds but i would still say that you need to do the first stage of whatever an entrepreneur needs to do the customer validation you need to prove that it is a problem for somebody and there is a customer for it you need to have the first mvp or the first early prototype done with your own effort whether with capital without capital you need to do that and once you prove these two then the angel round or the seed round will follow slightly easily i mean i wouldn't say it's just that you do this and you will get the money i'm not saying that but it becomes a lot more easier for somebody to look at you and say why am i giving you the money uh, if you look at it from the other side it becomes fairly easier to understand uh, so only advice is don't go with a, a first slide saying i have a brilliant idea give me money that doesn't work yeah uh, a little bit invest your time and money into it then there is also uh, a proof for somebody else to say that he's committed his time his money yeah. and validated it so uh, i would bet on the entrepreneur as much as the idea because most investors don't bet only on the idea or the problem they also bet on the entrepreneur because ideas can change entrepreneur is the one who will make it happen so they also look at the entrepreneur has he taken the risk has he figured out how to do it if you have not done yeah. it if you only have a slide they would not bet on yeah both the problem and the person who is handling it right exactly both are important it's not just one which is important yeah that's true so what was the initial mvp that university has built because it's bit into oem segment and also the battery research yeah so there like i said we had two different products uh, technically for the same problem uh, first mvp was we made a very simple uh, charger management system which can work with fixed big chargers where the uh, best thing we did was we made it with a very simple apps by which people can access it just standing outside the charger uh, so that required a, a lot of systems to be done in the back end but it is a very simple user interface for people to figure it out uh, that this is the way you go in front of a physical charger uh, your mobile can identify the charger and it can tell you what it can be done and then you just have to press couple of buttons on your app and via cloud the physical big equipment in front of you starts to work but it's it's more like you are controlling it as a remote from your own phone i think that was the easiest one we did simplest one of course now it has become very complicated the way it works on the battery swap we made even very very simple thing saying hey just bring the battery just do a qr code scan uh, or a barcode scan uh, with a mobile phone a manned mobile a manned station where you come give it to him he scans he picks up you scan you pick up and you move on but then in the back end all the transactions are done and then uh, there is a uh, there is a full uh, system running where we know where the batteries are who's got which battery uh, it is a very simple iot problem from a problem point of view but of course now it's all automated now the systems are much much more sophisticated uh, but the first versions mvp we built is very simple qr code barcode based systems and uh, showed that the whole thing can run and operationalize it and show demonstrated that the whole thing can run and these two were our early prototypes but both have evolved into 
much bigger products right now that's nice how are you managing like switching between multiple uh, roles because you being an entrepreneur and also mentor and coach for various startups you are holding a big position in ieee you you are a chairman and now a global uh, board member and so how is this time management or you call time boxing switching between multiple roles are you from entrepreneur family background or a different family background yeah sure, sure. Uh, i am not from a entrepreneurial background we are a very regular middle class bangalore family so no entrepreneurial background anywhere in my family around uh, the circles uh, okay. but uh, uh, that that apart i mean that that apart so it's more of what i have done on my own so that's that's where it comes into uh, time boxing is something large corporates teach you in a very big way uh, when you work in larger corporations in certain roles you learn to time box yourself because uh, many a times you pick up multiple uh, responsibilities multiple roles in a large company and then uh, you you learn to give time to what what is needed at what point of time in a day so you know when to spend time on what uh, that kind of uh, training coaching i would say happened in my stint with siemens and then in nokia where uh, at one point i used to manage uh, a lot of customers around uh, around the world asia india middle east africa china customers all around so across time zones i could give priority to each one of my customer based on what they wanted each one of the countries based on what they wanted so kind of learn time boxing myself uh, and doing it and i typically i've been doing it for over 20 years so it is nothing new right now so i always had that is what i call it as a uh, kind of a small white box which is in in deep in your heart where it's voluntary you are not you're not doing it for money you're not doing it for fame you're doing it for giving something back so that box always existed so uh, loved interacting with students loved uh, sharing things with students always i used to keep that as my weekend box that is work okay. all the days and saturdays was committed for that that i would give all my time on saturdays to spreading knowledge spending time okay. so kind of found this time management for a long time working well for me so now as an entrepreneur there are more boxes to be done i mean similarly yeah. many customers to manage uh, and also many products to manage a uh, lot of i mean in, there i i call as even as an entrepreneur it's not only your customers all your stakeholders become important so you need to manage your customers you need to manage your team and employees you need to manage your financial resources you need to manage your investors they also need a lot of your attention because you need to update them keep them abreast of what you are doing regularly yeah uh, media your marketing channels there are multiple people you have to be time boxing with so uh, this over time becomes a kind of a habit then you realize that I, see each day i cannot do all of them so i have my own time boxes to say uh, on a particular day it's my finance day so i clean up all my financial work which needs to be done on that day there are uh, of course every day is a customer day that i cannot avoid every day is a customer day but one day is a corporate governance day where i figure out what all filings to be done with rbi what needs to be done with somebody else what documents have to be filed for board meeting all of that is done on one particular day so kind of time box myself uh, saying uh, tuesdays are for this thursdays are for this wednesdays are the, for this and uh, uh, my late evenings go for ieee when i am done with all of them i end up spending a lot of time on my weekend usually saturdays and sundays i give it out to more volunteering which is uh, which has nothing to do with my daily work uh, so kind of you need to find your box sometimes which grows big sometimes if there is a customer issue that takes most of your time then you give your attention there don't worry about uh, another box because that can wait <laughs> for all the seven days yeah i mean uh, as an entrepreneur you work all seven days all 24 hours Uh, and, uh, there is uh, customers are talking even at night 11 12 so there is nothing which stops you you can't say i won't speak to you because i i can't so right. uh, you have to manage sometimes uh, it works it's a seven day job i mean if you are an entrepreneur you're not looking at a corporate job uh, 9 to 7 or 9 to 8 it's 24 bar 7 full time job i think you have to be on the toes all the time it's it's it's, it's quite challenging to play the time boxing role yeah but but you get 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 a rhythm of it once you start doing it every entrepreneur does i think i'm quite sure everybody figures out their own boxes their own strategy of managing it yeah yeah 
because you have seen this multiple perspective of entrepreneur and also the incubator can you share some of the things like what could go wrong for an entrepreneur as an individual of course you have your team and you have to take care of these various segments that you spoke about uh, so as an individual what could go wrong yeah so uh, it's a uh, quite a bit of a challenge for every entrepreneur globally and also entrepreneurs in india uh, it starts with your own uh, uh, insecurities your own uh, uh, what you wish for so what happens is many a times uh, you you become an entrepreneur for several reasons each reason is different for different people some want money some want fame some want just a satisfaction some want to be a boss their own boss they don't want a boss i mean you, you will find all this uh, talked about by different people i've seen this also uh, different people are driven by different topics so as an entrepreneur when you start off you will not get any of these because you're starting from a not uh, it's almost zero you're starting from zero to make something happen uh, so a lot of people have to have patience perseverance for results to come see there is uh, uh, startups are also uh, glamorized in media to say that suddenly people become unicorns billionaires and everything uh, but that's probably 5 or 10 out of 10000 of them uh, the mm-hmm. other 99990 don't become that so what happens is you always come in with that glamour saying i'm going to be one of them or i'm going to get one of those but that may or may not happen with the problem you choose the uh, thing you do so that leads to a lot of frustration lot of depression for many people because the, they realize that uh, what they came in to do is not what they are getting uh, and that can be very disturbing for a lot of people so and also that's one one problem the second problem which also happens is uh, many startups start with a an idea which is a wrong way to start uh, an idea may not have a problem which is solving it may be a brilliant thought in somebody's mind but there may not be a customer for it i i'm 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 uh, i'm guilty also of it first my work, couple of my initial ideas and startups which i've done were all driven by my own ideas like i thought this is good this is what it should be because i understand everything else it is all about me centric i mean i thought i understand what it is but okay. uh, there is a good saying by steve blank which says no idea survive the first customer contact uh, you actually go and and make something and show it to your customer and he'll tell you this is not solving any of my problem i mean it's great what you have done is great but it's not useful for me i mean why why is it useful for me and that's your first biggest realization when you realize that you have to be humble mm-hmm. you are not the innovator actually only when you understand the problem you become the innovator you cannot be doing it the other way wrong you can't go and say i have a brilliant idea i will solve your problem Uh, you actually have to understand his problem and then become the innovator so that learning is a big eye opener for many entrepreneurs what happens is it's uh, it breaks their ego very badly when they go with all things done saying i know exactly what it is i'm the best innovator but then customers don't come to you or nobody wants it uh, that's a huge uh, ego breaker because then you learn to be humble to say that i don't need to necessarily know everything uh, i need to listen to customers i think that journey is also very very different for uh, difficult for entrepreneurs because it's about being humble now uh, mm. so uh, one is uh, really uh, being humble and second you need to learn why are you doing this if you have your motive right as an entrepreneur if it is money fame or anything uh, you need to figure that out if not it can be very very uh, demotivating uh, it can be a lot of people get into depressive mode but uh, uh, i would say Uh, on a on a whole not every entrepreneur is like that but good amount of them go through these phases to learn on their own that what they thought is not what they have to do probably it's a huge you unlearning and learning i think that's that's what the entrepreneurs journey is and one last thing ashok just to mention is also uh, family and peer pressure so what happens okay. is uh, t- 10 years back if you become an entrepreneur people thought something is wrong with you i've had that problem for several years because people said you are in such a great role in a big company why would you do that something is wrong with you or they thought maybe the company fired me i mean there were different people who thought different things they never thought that it is by my own choice it is not somebody is forcing me to do it uh, so that was then then but now the expectation is that if you are a family and friends i'm talking about that if you are an entrepreneur you will be a billionaire now the expectation is gone the other way around both are bad because 
you need to let the entrepreneur be what he is uh, so uh, though family and friends are a big support system sometimes they also create a wrong expectation uh, i think mm-hmm. an entrepreneur has to manage that also uh, that though, though they are a support the biggest support for you you also need to push away their aspirations to say leave me i mean i, I need to do what i have to do in that same line like what are the important decisions that an entrepreneur i mean can go wrong uh, because of this peer pressure and uh, they they're not being themselves yeah so like i said one is a uh, lot of them uh, start to chase capital because uh, it's not about value for the customer anymore or for the problem they'll go towards the valuation because the more your company valuation is you look better uh, whether uh you uh, actually are solving the problem or not if your company is now suddenly 10 million or 100 million valued you being a founder now you are a millionaire from uh, from zero you are now something else so a lot of people uh, move away from actual creating uh, some value for customers or solving some real problem to actually valuation i i'm not judging any in any way but i think that is something which makes people move towards that uh, i've also seen a lot of people probably taking shortcuts to move towards these topics because you want to do it fast you don't want to do it it may take a long time sometimes i mean i've i've seen sometimes it takes years for you to get that success but sometimes people take a shortcut because you want it in a very quick way but my biggest concern is moving away from value to valuation i think that's something entrepreneurs should not do uh, because you will be better known for what you have done than how how much valuation was i think that at the at short period yeah people will remember it but the impact you will make as an entrepreneur is when you create a value when you create something really meaningful the value i mean impact is for a much much longer time I mean, that's that's my view i mean uh, different people may have different perspectives but that's that's my perspective right right it sounds very natural because you you have been into both of the shoes so how about the team members path because they are part of the startup journey so what are the pain areas that they go through because they are uh, traveling along with the startup culture and not a big organization yeah so there are two uh, key players in a team when you said team one i call them as co-founders uh, the early team the two three who come together to build it and second i would say the the team itself the rest of the gang who joins in to this journey i'll first talk about the general team and then i'll talk about the founders the co-founders because both are important uh, the team itself for me i see it as a a family because uh, one uh, as long as you don't carry them along with you in the journey nobody feels uh, for the journey along with you the, i mean sorry sorry what i'm trying to say is uh, they need to feel part of the family only then they'll give you are more than 100% in your own journey because you should also make it their journey that's what i was trying to say that they also need to see that every small success every small thing what we do is also everybody's success having said that uh, most of them face a huge challenge now they come into a company which is extremely small with probably no facilities as in a big company uh, probably paying half of what a big company will pay or even less than half of what the big company will pay uh, and uh, very very unsure uh, uh, situation because you don't know how long this company will exist how big the company will become and lastly uh, they have to work probably two times as their counterparts in a regular company getting half the salary they probably work two times now uh, you need to choose your team in a way that people who come in should enjoy this journey there are a lot of people who are uh, hungry learners that is they want to learn a lot and even if they stay with you for one year or two year or something they learn they contribute in a big way because they have come there to do more because they understand that in a startup you can do probably two times three times more than what you can do in a regular company where probably you are writing one module there you will come and build the whole thing here the whole system mm-hmm. so i have seen a lot of them get very very excited with this opportunity to learn more do more uh, but at the same time after some time it also burns them because they realize that they are doing two times the work but getting half the pay so then then it starts to really hurt them unless the company is growing if the company is growing and they see the company is growing and many a times i mean i believe in esops uh, share the uh, make them also part of the journey uh, when they know that the company is growing they latch on with you because they know 
they are part of that success so make them part of that success uh, but many times of the company is struggling which every company will go through every startup will go through uh, some of them become very very disturbed because then they realize that i need stability in my life i need a stable job even if i am not learning i need to go so this will be a wave this will be a wave where people come people go i mean we've been lucky enough a lot of them have been with us for a long time uh, because probably they are seeing the success the learning what is still going on though we may not be the paymasters like every other large company but uh, we we don't pay less but we don't pay more we just pay what the market standards are but most people have uh, are with us for the journey are with us for that and we i mean we all appreciate we are like a family it's not uh, an entrepreneur now everybody is part of the journey everybody is part of the company i think that feeling will hopefully keep it for a longer time uh, so that's one aspect from a team point of view so they have a lot of pressure uh, to go out and earn more but at the same time they have probably that bond which keeps them in the company and at the same time the opportunity to learn more than what they would do in a larger company but more important is for an entrepreneur the co-founders uh you will realize very soon i have been a solo entrepreneur solo entrepreneur but most of the time when you are solo uh the journey is uh, good because you are the only one you can decide a lot of things and you can do a lot of things but to scale really uh it's quite difficult for a single entrepreneur to scale because you can't do everything though you can time box yourself you still can't do anything everything and uh, at the same time uh investors also always look for a team of uh, founders not one founder because again they look for the same thing because you realize that one person cannot do everything so you need at least two three being optimal okay so for me the co-founders are like your uh, spouse or a marriage with partner the reason is you will probably end up spending more time with them than with your family because you are in it for a long time so if you don't get the right ones along with you uh, the journey is not so good because you may start uh but very soon you will realize that everything else is fine but your journey with your co- co-founder is the biggest issue because you are not gelling along in doing things uh if you look at statistically bulk i think uh, i don't know the number probably it's more than uh, 50% of the startups wind up because of the co-founder conflict because the two partners two co-founders cannot get along the company winds down it has nothing to do with the problem it has nothing to do with the customers nothing to do with the team most of it winds up because of the co-founder conflict because the two partners two co-founders have a difference of opinion they don't see eye to eye and the company falls apart so i think it's extremely important to get the right partner with you right co-founder with you because uh, with with whom you can go for a longer run so it's as good as marriage for me i usually use saying it's like a dating you need to find out the partner uh, your uh, co-founder like a, a dating partner right i mean you need to gel well along and it becomes more like a marriage you need to stay for a long time uh, so co-founder is important team is important both have their own different journey in co-founder you need to respect each other give yourself that uh, slice of responsibility so that you don't overstep on each other the team you need to make them part of the family part of the growth and only then both will gel along yeah rightly said as you pointed proving that i am here for a long run that is a critical element even if you wanted to sell out your ideas or bring in more investment yeah absolutely you need to get that right right nice so for anyone who has started and having a minimal viable product and he is now thinking that this is the time i need to approach an incubation platform where i can get more support and i can think of a, a scaling factor so that he is making a balanced effort for his teammates as well uh, who are dependent on him so what kind of incubation platforms are available is it like all are same or they have to be specific like if you are doing a drone startup you need to approach these kind of incubation platform if it is an iot these platforms are well suited should it be like a more specific or people should go with a generic incubation platform and what are they if you can elaborate yeah so i think uh, uh, india now has a wonderful uh, uh, ecosystem which was uh, over the last 10 years i think it has been built by many different people uh, there is a very lovely ecosystem out there which can support you so what i would say is it depends also on what kind of an entrepreneur you are there are a lot of people are young innovators some have lot of industry experience and then become innovators entrepreneurs so there slightly the journeys are slightly different for both if you are a young innovator uh, my recommendation always is that uh, look for incubators there are academic incubators 
there are uh, generic incubators where incubator means they actually give you a longer run to be with them uh, up to 18 months uh, and beyond i think most academic institutions have it i am bangalore has it iisc has it i triple uh, it's iits they are called incubators because the idea is they expect younger innovators to come in a bigger way and and they are more still young they need guidance so the academic institution can provide through their uh, faculty mentor network they give you a lot of uh, support place bit of a capital also that's one of the early capital they can get uh, get but it's not big capital but i think it will be sufficient for you to run for uh, 18 months 12 to 18 months because most of these incubators keep you for a year to year and a half the idea is that you still have only have an idea not beyond that anything so they will help you to bring it up to uh, speed to make a product solution fit or some mvp or a first version they will help you so most younger guys i would encourage them to go to incubators because they will give you a longer rope to do it i mean it doesn't stop the experienced ones to go to incubators but the only difference is that uh, probably many of the things what the incubator teaches you as an experienced professional maybe you have access to it very easily i mean you can reach out to your network and get it you can reach out some capital you will already have uh, the industry mentors you will already get you will have connects with the industry you can already pick people's brain and get that which the incubator will also do so that's one journey uh, accelerator is once you have a uh, mvp and you want to now get a product market fit that is you want to really reach out to many customers is when the accelerator comes up i think that's why the word accelerator also gets used because the idea here is that they will help you to accelerate so here uh, here there are generic ones where you can go there are some generic b2c accelerators b2b accelerators uh, but more importantly i would say if you are working on a retail space now target and many retail large companies have their own accelerators in india now i would target those retail accelerators the reason is they will give you the exact customer segment industry segment where you will get the right experts right customers to try your product or if you are working in an iot go towards a, a cisco's launchpad or uh, google doing something go to uh, don't go to different ones i mean if you are a very strong iot based company don't go and try to do it in a retail accelerator the applicability might be in a small way but not too much so you need to figure out which one be choosy go to the right one uh, so there are many different accelerators so you need to choose which one you should go to not go to anybody and everybody uh, then uh, beyond incubators and accelerators there are also the corporate platforms like aws has its own platform microsoft for startups uh, then there are uh, nascom runs its own 10k startup program nascom runs its own iot accelerator so these are more industry bodies running where they will not accelerate you in a program way but by being there you get exposed to lot of lot of people who come to those centers lot of customers who interact with you lot of companies who interact with you so uh, i would say uh, you need to choose which platform you want to be beyond that there are also lot of professional bodies like uh, the tie uh, nascom itself there are many others i think uh, uh there are a couple more who also do talks and programs uh, events they don't run an incubator or accelerator but they have a mentoring programs and they have uh, startup programs all through the year you should become a member of one of them i think head start network is one of them tie there are many of them so you you attend those events so also what happens is even though you are not part of an incubator and accelerator you still get access to resources you still get access to mentors but you have to structure it that's your own way of doing it so i would mix all three based on where you are with your very very early i would end up in an incubator but if i have figured out everything if i am a little more experienced folk i would go for an accelerator or for this tie nascom head start kind of a program where i can structure my own uh, interactions and my own help so a lot of things being done in india it's a very vibrant ecosystem you just need to pick the right way Uh, don't try to do everything don't try to be in a wrong place that will not help you pick which yeah. one will help you great thank you how do you see this adoption of this various innovations coming both be it iot or drones how do you see from your perspective like are they going to actually democratize india 
in in the technology and also from the user acceptance point of view uh, let us take agriculture as an example and electric vehicle for that reason uh, how do you see from uh, how long it will take uh, see i i've been uh, part of working on iot for over a decade now uh, it was called m2m when i used to work in uh, nokia siemens networks way back in 2009 10 so i was trying to even uh, sell and work on the first m2m solutions for smart switches i mean uh, smart meters at that time in india uh, it's been a decade we have come a long way uh, from an m2m network to what we call as iot devices now uh, a lot of iot startups iot companies solving whether it's agri whether it is uh, industrial iot whether it is uh, automotive uh, the connectedness is coming up in a, in a way uh, even from home automation hvac automation all of them are in place now but these are still i would call it as early market early adopters see there are uh, uh, most companies trying to use sensors trying to bring uh, the data and the iot networks to make things work better uh, but not yet in a massive scale because the cost of doing it is a delta cost which people are still debating the roi coming out of that uh, so you will find large companies working on iot uh, small startups working on iot so both are trying at this time uh, uh, the network itself is still not connectivity itself is still not up to the mark with the current uh, our 2g and the 4g network uh, 5g promises this in the next 1 to 2 years maybe india is 2 years later my understanding is all the connectedness whether it's uh, from your home to your office to everything around you will probably take another decade plus uh, when that really happens in a massive scale but uh, at a smaller scale the adoption will start in the this decade uh, from 21 onwards you will see uh, industrial iot probably will be the first ones to become automotive will be the next one uh, agriculture is happening but the roi there is only for uh, large farming for small farmers it doesn't really create an roi at this moment uh, so there is there is a big forum called iot forum for india uh, where all the iot companies are working now on the iot topic so i think uh, uh, there is a big movement but my personal opinion it's probably uh, 2030 is when we will maybe see we will not talk about iot you will not ask me a question on iot because iot will be ubiquitous everywhere so you will not be asking me a question on will iot be there no it is everywhere but that's probably 10 years away <laughs> same with drone i think drone technologies are being used in uh, multiple applications but i would say that is still even more earlier uh, early stage than while iot is right now maybe that is uh, it will take another half a decade to really uh, come into mainstream so we are talking about things of uh, maybe 2030s where it, all of them become normal uh, this decade where we will see them grow great i guess by that time we will also have these battery researches on uh, be it lithium ion or uh, the graphene based researches that are happening now that the supportive system around uh, ecosystem will be strong so that all the devices coming out for longer run yeah see one of the main thing is the battery life at this time with iot and drone right because if you have an iot device you want it to run for several years without changing a battery and several years connecting to the cloud or connecting to the edge uh, without draining the battery and that is what 5g promises that network will support you the battery technology has to change i mean sensing is only one part of it but then uh, you need to sense for a long time uh, so i think uh, i would say it is uh, a decade from now that's my guess i may be wrong but uh, my guess says it's a decade from now great coming to the end uh, what are the tips and suggestions that you would like to uh, tell our young entrepreneurs or be it college students or school students your one suggestion that actually they can take and uh, start working on that yeah uh, i mean for uh, i worked very closely with uh, several university students over the last probably 5 to 6 years uh, there are two things which i uh, really noticed one is they are brilliant they are world class in terms of what they can think and what they can do uh, but most of them have this till their uh, uh, final year of studies and then suddenly when a job market opens up and then there is a job on their hand they drop their uh, uh, innovations they drop what they want to do because they all feel i have to be in a stable job thanks to again parental pressure and peer pressure uh, most of them drop it i mean this having said this because uh, i'm not saying it is right or wrong but i feel a lot of innovators are lost into the corporate world because uh, because of this particular factor 
So many, that's the reason many universities and others are creating incubators where uh, we don't want incubators to be filled with people who say, I didn't get a job, so I want to be in an incubator. Uh, that is not going to help us. But the best of them who really have the right uh, uh, solutions for problems should be the ones who get into the incubators. So I encourage youngsters, uh, if they really have, I mean, not everybody should have it. If you really have a cool idea, a cool innovation, which can solve a big problem, uh, don't end up being in a corporate job and all through keep saying that I could have done something. Uh, join an incubator, nothing will happen as an youngster, solve that problem. I think he can make an impact uh, to the country, to globe in a very big way. I mean, uh, he can do that, but he or she, uh, but that's my only urge because all my time I've seen brilliant innovators uh, come finally and they end up in a corporate job. The moment they get a, a good offer in hand, they say, I'm checking this and I'm going away there. That's one advice. I mean, if, if you have something, please go for it. Don't, don't, don't drop it uh, at that stage. And second is, uh, uh, I think I always uh, advise, I think I talked about it. Don't go behind investors day one, go behind customers. If you can uh, fix your customers, if you know, uh, if you have solved it in the right way, I think you will grow in a much bigger way. And third is, uh, don't look at it in a short run, look at it in a longer run. Uh, money will come, you will make a big impact. And I've seen a lot of success stories coming from our own uh, engineering colleges and other colleges where They've turned out to be very successful entrepreneurs, uh, but the percentage is very small, uh, but probably that percentage becoming bigger could solve a lot more problem around us because the youngsters come with really a lateral thinking and different way of solving problems than a set experienced person. So uh, that's always encouraging to look, uh, encourage them to go on, go ahead and solve the problem. Okay, nice. That's a pretty good advice. So I'll, I'll go with the uh, rapid fire rounds instead of some sure, questions. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So one global leader you follow? Uh, Steve Jobs was somebody whom I used to always follow. Uh, but now I have a lot more interest in uh, little cliched Elon Musk is what we all follow. So just I just follow him. But I admire Steve Jobs in terms of what he did. Great. Yeah. The book that you suggest for our listeners? Uh, Zero to One is a good book for uh, uh, by Erica Rice. I think, I think they should read that book. Uh, it, it just helps out to create the first set of value. Nice. And your childhood activity that you still wanted to do? Yeah, so uh, I always uh, loved photography as, as a youngster. Uh, I still do. But with all the other things what I do, that's one thing which I give the lowest priority in my box. So that I always regret because that's my passion. But uh, uh, I give it the lowest times. So that's something I love. I, I mean, if I could give more time. Nice. Yeah, give it a superpower for one day. What would you ask? Uh, nothing really. Uh, I always thought about it, but I really don't want any superpower. I'm happy the way it is. Uh, <laughs> nothing much. I think we should just let the things be the way it is and then things go fine. Okay. So your top wish in your bucket list? Yeah. Top wish is, uh, I think at least right now, very focused on what we are doing in uh, electric mobility. So a kind of a clean mobility, less polluted cities uh, is kind of a dream right now to say, Will it really happen? Can it happen? Uh, I'm playing a small role in the whole uh, ecosystem towards it. But keeping in mind our future, future generations, I think a cleaner cities, cleaner mobility is one of the contributors to that. Would be a, a good, good thing to have. I think a clean, fresh air is much better than the polluted air we have now. Nice. And what would you like to be remembered for by your followers? Uh, uh, to be a, a simple, honest man. And that's it. Nothing more, and uh, people who uh, who actually sp love spending time with me. I think that's that's something which I always want them to remember about me. Okay, you're keeping it simple, <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, what's your favorite subject in school? Uh, physics was my favorite subject in school. Uh, I think I used to love uh, because it is all about making things happen and seeing how things work. Uh, though uh, chemistry also gives you that feeling, but physics was all about the physical object. So that always excited me to see how things work. Okay. Okay. And the last question, you are mentoring a lot of uh, institutes and the startups. So who is your favorite mentor and coach? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's sometimes uh, different people, but uh, usually it's my wife because uh, okay. I end up talking to her maybe the most than anybody else in terms of what happens. Okay. Though they may, she may not know anything what I'm doing in terms of what I do. 
but sometimes she knows me more than anybody else so what happens is her advice is more to me than to the problem or the situation uh, so that helps me to uh, think in a much more focused way because she's not advising me on the problem but actually she's advising me uh, so that that gives a, a big difference that's great yeah wonderful having your time uh, ravi uh, last few words like people who wanted to know about new city and you where do this go for yeah i mean uh, uh, numo city website numocity.com would be the website uh, i think uh, knowing to know about me linkedin is the best way if you search for me on linkedin you will find me and most of the time that's where i update whatever is going on so linkedin on our website would be the best place to look about us great yeah nice talking to you thank you for your time ravi hey, thank thanks you. a lot ashok thanks thanks for uh, having me in this uh, session and i hope it was uh, informative or a, i mean i enjoyed talking to you so i hope people who listen to your podcast also enjoy what we discussed thank you ravi okay we are at the end of the episode number 1 thank you very much ravi for coming on and sharing the insights and to our listeners you can find out the episode summary in the description until we catch up soon stay tuned be motivated thank you